0: Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Coming up this weekend is the most watched sporting event in America, and neither of the teams uses an offensive mascot. That's a win, right? And the Washington DC NFL team begins a new era with a new name after decades of pressure. We'll talk about some recent positive trends in sports, including native athletes at the Olympics and the outlook on sports betting Super Bowl weekend. We're back after the news.
1: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. A Fairbanks, Alaska jury returned guilty verdicts Thursday for a man who killed a young Alaska Native woman in 1993 at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Stephen Downs was convicted in the rape and murder of 20-year-old Sophie Sergey. KUAC's Robin reports. Sophie Sergi
2: had been a marine biology student at the university the year before. She returned to Fairbanks from her tiny Yupik village of Pitka's Point in far western Alaska the last weekend of April, 1993, for an orthodontist appointment on the following Monday. She stayed in the dorm with a friend who knew her from their time together in Native youth leadership organizations. She was last seen after midnight Sunday on her way to have a cigarette. She was found Monday afternoon in a restroom down the hall. She had been raped and shot in the head. The defendant, Stephen Downs of Maine, was never suspected of the crime until 25 years later, when DNA collected from the crime scene was partially matched to a profile in a commercial genealogy database in 2018. That profile was Downs' aunt. Alaska state troopers traced the genealogy to Downs, who was living in the dorm that spring of 1993. Fairbanks Superior Court Judge Thomas Temple read the verdicts.
3: Murder in the First Degree of SS. We the jury find the defendant guilty of murder in the first degree of SS, dated at Fairbanks, Alaska, the 10th day of February, 2022. Sexual assault in the first degree of SS. We the jury find the defendant guilty of sexual assault in the first degree of SS, dated at Fairbanks, Alaska, this 9th day of February, 2022, signed by the jury person.
2: The victim's two brothers listened into to the verdicts remotely from St. Mary's in the Yukon River Delta. Older brother Alexei Sergei said in an interview that he feels relieved after decades of uncertainty.
4: With the DNA, I'm pretty sure it's right, guys. Now Nowadays, DNA won't lie to you.
2: Alexei Sergei said he forgave the perpetrator decades ago in an effort towards closure.
4: I forgave him for what he did to me. And I'll never forget.
2: The judge schedules sentencing in September. In Fairbanks, I'm Robin.
1: Sports wagering for Sunday's Super Bowl will be in full swing this year. Research from the American Gambling Association finds more than 18 million people plan to bet online, in person at sportsbooks, or with a bookie on the matchup between the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Navajo Nation will soon get into the sports betting action. The tribe is teaming up with the Seminole Tribe of Florida's Hard Rock. They've joined forces to launch the Hard Rock Sportsbook mobile app in Arizona. John Chapper is Senior Director of Communications for Hard Rock Digital.
2: The Hard Rock Sportsbook app allows you to place bets on all the major
0: sports. Uh, we're, we have great promotions, also live betting. So if you see your team's losing, you think you've got a big comeback in store, you can jump in there major sports, also some more niche sports, soccer, you can do table tennis. It really just makes your game days a little
4: more fun, a little more engaging, and allows you really to uh, connect with the product on the screen.
1: Brian Parrish is the interim chief executive officer for the Navajo Nation Gaming Enterprise.
5: Really excited uh, about our partnership with Hard Rock, uh, with their sportsbook and, and uh, Hard Rock Digital. Uh, they have an excellent team and outstanding product. Uh, Their value systems and their goals and objectives align very nicely with ours, and so it was a perfect fit.
1: Sports betting became legal in Arizona in 2021. The digital Hard Rock Sportsbook is expected to be launched in the state this month. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
5: National Native News is produced by Kiwanek Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. There are now booster recommendations for all three available COVID-19 vaccines in the United States, and you may choose which booster shot you receive. More info at aaip.org or cdc.gov coronavirus who support this show. Support by Vision Maker Media, currently seeking documentary film proposals for public media television broadcasting that represent the cultures, experiences, and perspectives of Native Americans and Alaska Natives. Deadline for submission is Friday, February 11th at visionmakermedia.org. Native Voice One, the
6: Native American Radio Network.
0: This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. If you're like a majority of American sports fans, you know what you'll be doing this Sunday. That's right, the Bengals and the Rams take the field for the biggest American sports event of the year. A couple of things are notable about this year's Super Bowl from a Native standpoint. No teams with disparaging mascots or imagery will be playing. And another point of Native pride, Austin Corbett is a starting right guard for the Rams. He's a member of the Walker River Paiute Tribe. Another Native athlete in the spotlight, Abby Rock is the first Indigenous woman to play for the U.S. Olympic hockey team. We'll hear a little more about the Olympics this hour. And the Super Bowl is a major draw for sports betting and the gambling world is rapidly changing. We'll hear about that too. You're welcome to join our sports talk on Native America Calling Today. Give us your take. The number, 1-800-996-2848. That's 1 800 99 Native. Joining us today from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, is Colby Kicking Woman. He's a reporter for Indian Country Today. He's Blackfeet and Grovan. Welcome to Native America Calling, Colby.
6: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: And joining us from Washington, D.C. is Jason Giles. He's the executive director of the National Indian Gaming Association, he's Muskogee Creek. Jason, welcome back to NAC.
3: Oh, thank you so much, and
7: thank you for having me. Excited
0: to be on the show today. And joining us from Crown Point, New Mexico, is Kyler Frank. He is the general manager of the Navajo Technical University radio station, KCZY. He's Navajo. Welcome to the show, Kyler.
7: Hey, thank you for having me.
0: All right, let's do this. Colby, Super Bowl this Sunday. Are you excited? Who are you rooting for?
6: Oh, I'm definitely pumped. Uh, maybe more than the casual fan, but that's because I'm a uh, L.A. Rams fan, so I have a little skin in the game. Uh, normally, you know, you just hope for a, a good competitive game, but I won't be disappointed to see the, the Rams blow out the Bengals. Uh, it's a good opportunity for L.A. to redeem themselves from the uh, 2019 Super Bowl when they lost to New England 13-3. to So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and really exciting. They're going to be able to play in their home turf, which is really cool. Jason, how about you? Who are you rooting for? Big game.
3: Uh, thanks, Sean. Well, it, it's funny. Colby there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where my dad is from, and uh, raised us Steeler fans, even though we grew up in the D.C. area. So, you know, I don't want to see the Bengals win anything. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just hoping it's a good game. It's uh it's hard not to be drawn to the Bengals, though, because you look at their games and, and, you know, you just wouldn't think they're that good of a team. You know, Burrow got sacked nine times in, in one game against the, the Titans. So uh, I, just hopefully it's a good game. They have a terrific halftime lineup. And, uh, you know, just really looking forward to it uh, and cheering on the uh, native player on the Rams. I guess we've got to go with the Rams and give Walker Paiute some love.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the Bengals, they just keep, you know, making people believers. I don't know. They just keep coming from behind. They keep winning as underdogs. So yeah, they definitely have momentum. Kyler, how about you? Who's your team?
7: um, Go Cowboys, huh? (laughs) Well, this year, I don't really, I'm probably going to be rooting for our, our native brother at the Super Bowl, you know, and supporting him. And You know, just kind of neat to have somebody over there and being represented for all of us Native peoples out here.
0: Kyler, where are you going to watch the game?
7: I'll probably be watching it from my living room. It'd be nice to be over there, though, huh?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Do you have, like, a favorite snack or meal that you make for Super Bowl Sunday?
7: Mutton ribs. Why not, huh?
0: Yeah, there you go, mutton ribs. Jason, how about you? Do you have a special special recipe you folks cook up on Super Bowl Sunday?
3: Yeah, we we uh, my wife's got a special uh, wing recipe, and and we do that every Super Bowl or just any special occasion. But yeah, we'll just be same same with like Kyler just at home watching it on on TV in the living room from the comfort of home. So uh, looking forward to that, you know. Maryland, just where we live, just opened up sports betting. So there'll probably be some opportunities to put bets in around town now. D.C. has sports betting. Virginia has sports betting. Maryland has sports betting. So <laughs> uh, it's everywhere now.
0: Yeah, it's definitely taken fire. Colby, this native player on the Rams, Austin Corbett, what do you know about this native brother? Where's he from?
6: Yeah, so as you said mentioned, uh, he's from the a citizen of the Walker River Paiute Tribe in Nevada. Uh, it's his fourth year in the league, third with the Rams. He uh, played his college ball at the University of Nevada uh, and has become, you know, an important and vital piece to the to the Rams' offensive line. I got to give a shout-out shout out to uh, my colleague, Connor Van Lichten. He wrote a, a nice profile on him that I would encourage people to go check out uh, at IndianCountryData.com. Uh, but, yeah, he's received a lot of support uh, from the tribe, and I'm sure many of them will be tuned in on Sunday as well, rooting him on.
0: Now, he's a big old boy, 6'4", 280 pounds, Um, he's one of those guys you call when it's time to move the fridge, I'll tell you what, um, you get hit by a guy like that, you're gonna feel it. And um, he went to the University of Nevada, Reno, so shout out to the Wolf Pack for sure. Uh, Another interesting development in the NFL, Colby this year, the Washington team, they revealed their new mascot, the Commanders, uh, no matter what you think of the name. Definitely a win for native representation in sports and entertainment, but there's still uh, some uh, ways to go here. Where are we at in this mascot battle?
6: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, the, you know, if you've been pay, paying attention to the news, the Washington football team is just kind of mired in controversy uh, with Daniel Snyder and, and the culture of the team and the investigations by the league uh, into all that. But And I certainly think, you know, the overwhelming majority is, is happy to see the old team name gone. But there are some mixed feelings uh, in the way that you know the the team and the NFL just kind of want to take the commanders and move off, move on, and not acknowledge the uh, damage the team has done to Native communities over the over these last number of decades, uh, specifically to to Native youth. So I think it's certainly you know there's still a, a lot of work to be done, um, but it's good to see the, the the team name gone and and the Native imagery gone.
0: A lot of data out there too coming to the forefront that. Uh, that really underscores how harmful these mascots and imagery can be to native people, especially young people. Like you mentioned, Jason, you're in DC. What do you think of this new name, the commanders? Are you feeling it?
3: No, not at all. And, uh, and according to a lot of the polls around here in DC, uh, upwards of 78% of the people are not happy with the name. So, but you know, uh, unless you're a true fan of this Washington team, and, and I grew up here, born and raised in this area, even though I'm a Steeler fan, I already forewarned my family, I'll probably be slipping up and saying the R word for the rest of my life. It's just too ingrained in my head. But, uh, you know, it, it was time for long past due for the name to go. You know, you had hundreds of tribal governments submit resolutions against the name. And, you know, it it, it took, a George Floyd summer of protests for them to finally wake up and smell the coffee. And, and by them, I mean, Dan Snyder, who. Is sort of a uh, owner and abstentia at this point. And then they comp- compound everything by choosing a name. nobody likes. so. You know, I, I <laughs> there's very few franchise franchises. I, I wish ill will, but the, the uh, Washington team is one of those ones. They, they can't get out of their own way. It seems like, and, uh, <laughs> It's too bad because, you know, I, I, like I said, I grew up here. They won three Super Bowls while I was in high school. And, you know, I have friends, all my friends basically are, are huge lifelong fans, but you see them departing and droves, and, you know, I, I'm married to a Hamas Laguna Pueblo woman. And it's, it's interesting to me, every time I go out to New Mexico, I see a lot of Washington stuff. There's a lot of fans out in New Mexico, uh, for the team, but you can just see the support slipping away. And they have a long long road to get their fan base back. They were 32nd in the league this year in fan attendance.
0: Holy cow. You know, I almost feel like they would have been better off just – keeping that name the Washington team I actually thought that kind of worked myself Kyle I gotta ask you I mean okay you just shared you're you're a cowboys fan so something's telling me you could really care less uh what the team name is you're not gonna like them no matter what is that a pretty accurate take from you <laughs>
7: well you know what um I, you know I've always enjoyed the rivalry of course there's always going to be you know that you know that excitement surrounding that but um as far as the team name went you know I really didn't really matter to me, but I was really for changing the name. And the commanders being in the same league, I think that is kind of, it's kind of a joke almost to me. <laughs> but um, but I'm glad that the name has been changed because it only perpetuated more of our stereotype, stereotyping, stereotyping Native peoples and um, you know all the efforts that they did, even bringing our Navajo Nation president out there in one year. I don't know if anybody recalls them when Ben Shelley was over there. Um, sitting in the stands. so they were uh, really kind of supporting the name and doing those things um but you know um kudos to them changing the name and having the name changed now because you know um, it's really something that we don't have to deal with anymore
0: at that level yeah absolutely and Interesting. You know, we've done several shows on the mascot issue over the last four or five months. And, you know, this issue uh, is still a long way to go. Like we mentioned, there are still teams out there at both the college level and the pro level using these mascots and imagery in different sports, not just football. So definitely a lot more to come with this issue. So folks, again, we are having sports talk and we've got sports fans here on the air from a lot of different areas of Indian country. We've got a reporter, we've got a a legislative and, and policy advisor, and we've got a radio manager. So please come on, give us your takes, connect with us. Facebook, Twitter, or use that telephone number to call 1-800-996-2848. We are waiting. Our phones are open. We want to hear from you. We want to talk sports. We are going to have to take a short break here, but when we get back, we're going to talk Olympics, Beijing Olympics 2022. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. Sports mascot wins and losses, tribal jurisdiction struggles in Oklahoma, and a Supreme Court battle over the basic right to keep Native children with their tribal relatives. Those are among the highlights since the last State of Indian Nations address. We'll hear this year's address from the President of the National Congress of American Indians on the next Native America Calling.
5: The Association of American Indian Physicians and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention remind you there are now booster recommendations for all three available COVID-19 vaccines in the United States. You may choose which COVID-19 vaccine you receive as a booster shot. Getting the COVID-19 vaccination protects you, your family, and your community. More information at aaip.org or cdc.gov coronavirus who support this show.
0: You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're getting caught up on some sports wins and losses from a native point of view. We're talking Super Bowl, Beijing Olympics, and even some regional and local sports. And we'd also like to hear from you. So get in on the discussion by calling 1 800 996 2848. That's 1 800 99 Native. And we have a caller on the line right now. We've got Adam listening on KUNM in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Adam, you're on Native America Calling.
4: Hello, Nawa, Yate, Mataki, all that good stuff. How's everybody? How's everybody? I hope everybody's well and be safe and all that good stuff. I just wanted to mention, I was actually born in D.C. and I am Native. I'm Pawnee, La Jolla, Apache, whatever. I uh, spent my lifetime with Najone, with Denise, and uh just wanted to say I, I really feel like natives should focus on something more important than a name. Because if you all look at your skin, you're red skin, no matter across the board. It's not a derogatory term. or are brown, we're caramel, whatever, whatever you want to call yourself. We're all Native, and we all know it on a deeper level. And I just wanted to share that with the the listeners. And thank you so much for your time. love Native America
0: calling. Hello. Well, Adam, thanks for calling in, and appreciate your take very much. I'm glad you went ahead and spoke your mind, and that's what this show is all about, is different perspectives, different ideas, different people calling in. Thank you. Colby. The Olympics underway in Beijing, China, and there are a handful of Indigenous athletes competing in the Winter Olympics right now. Abby Rock on the U.S. women's hockey team. Tell us a little bit about her.
6: Yes, uh, Abby Rock is uh, Anishinaabe Wanapite First Nation who grew up in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. She's a forward, as you mentioned, in her first U.S. Olympics on the U.S. women's hockey team. Uh, And just recently was actually moved up to the first line after uh, her teammate, Brianna Decker, was injured in the first game of the Olympics. Uh, So she's played an important role in this year's team. Uh, Just earlier this week when the U.S. uh, played Canada, she had six six shots on goal and, uh, you know, won 100% of her face-offs. So so she's been, been playing really well.
0: I know she tallied one assist, too, so that's great and her dad is a former player and coach he's currently an nhl scout so she's got hockey in her blood jason are you following uh abby rock and the the women's hockey team
3: 100 uh, percent. i went to the university of wisconsin law school and i get my badger updates so there's a lot of badger women on the u.s women's hockey teams but of course abby rock jumped out and uh you know, I didn't know that she was, I, th- I thought she was Sault Ste. Marie, because uh, all the articles I've been reading, uh, you know, mentioned that's where she grew up. But I, I didn't know she was actually from a uh, First Nation in Canada. So that that's just great. And she's a great representative of Indian country. Uh, her story, when she said she started playing hockey in, in Michigan there and uh, was shocked that, you know, there weren't a lot of other Native women uh, that she encountered playing hockey. So... Just another uh, positive role model for Indian country to emulate you know we we've had great women basketball players and uh, come up through the ranks it, It's just fantastic to see uh, on, on a grand stage such as the Olympics uh, some native athletes representing Indian country
0: It really is and and Abby Rock is Winapete first nation grew up there in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, playing hockey since she was a young child. Kyler, living there in Crown Point, New Mexico, do you get to watch a lot of hockey?
7: Oh man, no. Um, we're doing a lot of basketball out here right now, and you know things are really getting popular with that. And covering all the games here, I mean, I'm pretty sure that some people have heard about um, some of these athletes that are playing hockey. But you know, um, football, basketball, volleyball are kind of the dominating sports out here on the res and mostly res basketball. You know, um, right now we're getting back into that. And, you know, I've been announcing some of the games all in Navajo um, for our students and the youth out here. But um, one thing that I see that um, is really kind of neat is that, you know, people follow these athletes, these, um, you know, the, the students, they follow these star athletes like you know um we have the austin corbett thing going on right now i think that is going to be probably be picking up some popularity because of how much football is out here one year we had brought i brought some um Reggie out here to do some camps out here as well but um one one i think that it would be kind of neat to have maybe in um i guess a perspective from hockey and um getting them to do some you know maybe some some leadership camps out here on the, on the navajo nation
0: Absolutely. and You know what's interesting? There was a former NHL player and he was an old school player. He played like in the 60s and he retired from the NHL and he became a truck driver and he ended up settling in Theroux. And I don't know if you remember this story, but it was like in the early now he's passed on since. But at one point he was living in Theroux. And his vision, his dream was to actually turn the Navajo Nation onto hockey. He was trying to get funding to build a rink and get native kids playing hockey. And unfortunately, he passed away. But it was an interesting story because he was a, a retired NHL player living in Theroux, New Mexico. And, and Kyler, you mentioned um, basketball, high school basketball playoffs, state tournaments, New Mexico, Arizona coming up. What teams are looking good?
7: Well, right now um, I'm following our hometown team, the Crown Point Eagles, and you know they're they're looking pretty sharp. Last night they played at Newcomb, and we also have a game coming up in um, Navajo Prep. So I think these boys are doing pretty good, and you know we we hope to see them in the state playoffs. But you know, overall, you know, all of them are all doing um, doing doing great things out here. And back to um, the the hockey player that was um, talking about that, I don't I vaguely remember it but I'm not um, really you know, familiar with the hockey thing going on out here, but we are at the Continental Divide. That would be something that's kind of cool because there is a lot of ice during the winter here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't I know it because I've driven on I-40 so many times and gotten stranded there right on the Divide when those blizzard hits. It, it gets really bad. Uh, what about the women's teams, uh, basketball coming up? Uh, some good teams on the women's side?
7: Um, well, I haven't really been – um following that yet, but because um the, the boys came out of nowhere and it just came it just seemed COVID was kinda of holding me down on a lot of things, but now getting back into the action and getting back into seeing the scene of things, you know, um uncovering all of these. Um I haven't really been chance to see who the girls who, who the strong women's teams are, but um that's gonna be coming up again, so we um I hope to you know, highlight some of our female players.
0: Okay, well we'll stay tuned. Colby, uh, in addition to Abbey Rock, there are some other indigenous players or athletes there at the Beijing Olympics. Can you tell us about those other athletes?
6: Yeah, there's actually two uh, two in, uh, indigenous women playing on the Canadian hockey team, uh, Jocelyn LaRock and Jamie Lee Rattray, uh both of the uh, Métis Nation. You know, so it's really cool to see the uh, these indigenous women uh, uh, clash on the ice and, and battle it out because, you know, the United States and uh, Canada – Matched up in the 2018 gold medal game, and going into these Olympics, everyone uh, you know saw them on a collision course uh, again, uh, and so it, it, it'll be exciting to see you know what, what ends up happening. The U.S. actually won um, their semi or quarterfinal game versus the Czech Republic earlier this morning. Uh, you know, with, I think Beijing is 13 hours ahead of the Eastern Time Zone, so it's hard to say this morning or, or tomorrow or, or whatever that is. Uh, but uh, they'll be in a semifinal on Monday and. Yeah, it's really cool to see these these women on the ice and and in action.
0: Jason, other athletes, other sports in the Olympics that you're following.
3: Well, you know, one of the things that's jumping out to me on the this Olympics is I don't know that we've ever seen a more diverse U.S. Olympic team. Uh, you know, everyone, uh, all all the way, you know, old school guy like Sean White last night, but. Uh, giving way to the, to the newer generation. And then, you know, even someone like, uh, Eileen Gu, I think is her name. She's a Chinese American, but for this Olympics, she goes over to China and is competing on behalf of China and she just killed it. And I still think that's a score one for America, but, uh, this, this Olympics, I know that the ratings are down and it, it, you know, with no fans and, and all the COVID restrictions, it's kind of, you know, uh, it's not your normal hoopla, but man, I don't know that uh, you've ever seen better athletes competing. Uh, it just seems like they just keep getting stronger and stronger. And uh, it, it's just been incredible. I mean, even, and because of the time difference, you get to see a lot more sports, particularly on the weekends. Like, you know, I've never really seen biathlon before and that sort of got some prominence uh, over the weekend. And all, all these things are just uh, a great showcase for what what you can accomplish in the United States with our climate from, you know, the southern part of this country, which is all, you know, beaches all the way up north to where uh, a lot of tribes are and, and a lot of opportunities for winter sports. So it's been a fantastic Olympics, I think, so far, despite, you know, sort of the not as much glitz and glamour as in the past.
0: I'm really enjoying the Olympics this year. We're watching a lot of it in the evenings. But one thing I'm having a little bit of trouble with is there's like no snow in Beijing. I mean, it's crazy, you're watching it on TV, they've got just enough engineered snow to cover the ski runs and the half pipe for the snowboards and, all that and everywhere else. It looks like Montana in July. I don't know, Jason, it's kind of weird, but but I agree, the sports are really fun and the athletes, holy cow, the, the level of well, competition. The, and yeah, the go interesting ahead, Jason. Thing
3: about, the interesting thing about that, not to bore everybody, but uh, if, if you read some of the stuff, the athletes are saying, like the luge and the, the half pipe for snowboarding, they're saying this is some of the best uh, conditions that they've skied on. And like you said, most of it is man-made. So, you know, in typical Chinese fashion, they're just trying to, you know, take everything to the next level and, and show the world how things are done. But uh, and, and they've got the resources and manpower. And, they'll, and, you know, when you live in an autocracy – if you want to have the best half pipe in the world, uh, somebody better get it done or head to a roll, if you know what I mean. So uh, <laughs> the, the athletes are not complaining about the lack of snow, but I, me and my wife remark on that all the time. Like, you see all the snow where they're competing, and then, yeah, everything else is barren around there. So, yeah. and, it's, and it looks like it's freezing cold, too. So, and Beijing is basically on the same latitude as, you know, uh, Washington, D.C. and stuff. So, uh, just a different topography, I guess, out there. They have much more mountains.
4: Terrain
0: surrounding Beijing. Yeah, the other thing I noticed, like everybody on those ski and the ski events, like they're all wearing helmets, even like the coaches and, and like the parents, everybody's wearing a helmet. Everyone's wearing goggles. They all look like they're ready to take the slopes themselves. It's, it's pretty cool. There is another indigenous athlete in the games competing, Liam Gill. Colby, do you know, do you know much about Liam Gill?
4: uh
6: honestly that's actually the first time i've heard that name so i would love to to learn more and after this uh call i have to do some digging
0: my understanding is he's a first nations person from the northwest territories uh and he 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 already competed he he placed 23rd in the snowboard half pipe, incidentally so jason do you know anything about liam gill
3: uh you know other than just just it was one of the listed record number of native athletes competing at these olympics and i know uh you know just to make the canadian snowboard team are you kidding me and uh just another fantastic uh representation for for indian country and you know heck we'll take them anywhere we can get them right whether it's alaska canada you know we just need that representation out there and show show our youth what's possible
0: yeah for sure for sure kyler what's your favorite olympic sport
7: um, I, right now, I think it would probably I like I like the um, the long distance running, you know, only because I've seen Annette, Billy Mills. <laughs> <When I'm, laughs> when Olympics, the net ability meals. What about for Winter Olympics though? What about winter? Right now, I, I, Winter Olympics I don't really follow, but you know, just to see that Liam Gill, you know, just young guy getting out there doing his thing and really showing what it can what other youth can do just like um, what was mentioned earlier you know we need to we need to see more athletes out there we need to kind of um show our youth what you know they can accomplish at these levels and with the skills that we have we have a lot of talent out here on on the navajo nation as well from basketball football all the way to you know even rodeo
0: right right glad you mentioned rodeo for sure um colby I understand up in Montana, uh, there's some high school records, high school basketball records, I think, have been broken recently. Can you talk about that?
6: Yeah, I don't know how much attention it got nationally, and I always love shouting out Montana. I was born and raised there myself. Uh, but the, the single-game scoring record in the state was broken twice, I think, in the matter of five days or, or, or about a week. Uh, the original record was 68, but I think it was February 1st, uh, Damon Grovon of Lodgegrass uh, scored 71 points in a game, which is amazing, uh, only to have uh, someone uh, by the name of Journey Emerson from Landier scored 82. So you know, they're also in the in the same division of Class B in the state, and uh, state tournaments are right around the corner. So I imagine that, you know, they might meet up in the future, and there will probably be more fireworks.
0: What about some of the tribal college teams up there, basketball? Um any cool things happening up there with the tribal colleges on the court?
6: Uh, in Montana, uh, I uh, haven't been keeping tabs too much. I know I, I definitely follow Indian sports.com and, uh, and all their reporting on Haskell and some other places across uh, schools from across the country. And so, you know, I encourage uh, people to take, take a look and, and keep tabs on them and, and see what all these great native athletes are doing on the court.
0: Okay. Well, we we're talking about Super Bowl. We mentioned sports betting, and and Jason, this tribal sports betting now blowing up in a big way. It's going to be huge on Sunday. I am imagine tribes are going to get a cut of that eighty-eight million dollars in wages that, excuse me, wagers that are being predicted. So, what is the latest though on tribal sports betting? Because this is this is evolving, right? This new area of gaming that tribes are entering into now.
3: Yes, you're, you're right, Sean. It is evolving, and it's evolving on a on a state by state basis. Uh, so wherever, whatever state a tribe is in, if they're seeking sports betting, they're gonna, they have to either amend their existing compacts with the state or, uh, you know, figure out something that works for them in their region. And and so you take a state like Michigan and the tribes there, uh, they decided to compete as commercial actors when it comes to sports betting, because that was uh, a tough decision that they had to make uh, in order Not to let the commercial guys get too far out in front of them uh, within the state of Michigan. Also, the tribes in Michigan have. uh, Very favorable compacts, and they didn't want to take a chance of having to renegotiate those or open them up. But then you look at Arizona and they just signed a. Amendment for opening sports betting, so everyone in uh, Arizona now can place bets on the Super Bowl and it's falling like that across the country. Uh, You know, 2 of the bigger states with large. Indian populations, Oklahoma and California have yet to sort their direction out on sports betting. But once they once they get that option, it is going to be you're going to look at basically. 80% of the country is able to make sports sports wagers legally for the 1st time in history. So uh, it's here's the thing though, Sean, and it's important for everyone to remember sports betting is probably 1 of the few games at a casino where the customer has a chance to win money. And, you know, you can sit at a blackjack table all day, the, the odds are never gonna change beyond uh, one or 2% uh, in the casino's favor, that's about as low as you could get them. But with sports betting, you know, we all know, just talking in this round table today on Native American Calling, so you know, everyone has their inside knowledge, everyone has some take on what they think might happen. And that's where the advantage lies. And Sports books do not always turn a okay. profit. There's been numerous times Jason, where they've lost money.
0: Jason, I'm sorry, I'm gonna to have to go ahead and interrupt you, but I'm gonna let you continue those thoughts after we get back from break. But holy cow, folks, you just heard it on Native America Calling. The executive director of NAIGA says, the odds on gaming are against you. Holy cow, that's a <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. Folks, we're gonna be back right after break. I'm Sean Spruce.
5: Are you a Native American healthcare provider, recovery counselor, social worker, domestic and sexual abuse advocate, or traditional healer working in Native American communities? Dr. Ruby Gibson will begin a seven-month advanced immersion in healing historical trauma. This online masterclass looks through the lens of a seven-generational recovery approach to provide powerful, proven modalities and is offered tuition-free to tribal members. Registration deadline is February 21st. Info at freedomlodge.org who support this show.
0: This is Native America calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're hearing about the big sports events going on right now from a native perspective. Sports fans, you're invited to call in with fresh takes, football, hockey, basketball, curling, anything sports related. The number 1-800-996-2848. Before we went to break, we're listening to Jason Giles, executive director of the National Indian Gaming Association. He was being real on gambling odds. Jason, please finish your thoughts.
3: Hey, I don't think I'm breaking any ground that, uh, you know, the slot machines might not be uh, tilted in your favor. But uh, the point being, on sports betting, you know, they can just throw a number out there. Rams minus four and a half. I bet a lot of Bengals fans are just like, you know, we've been underdogs all year. Giving us four and a half points is a gift. And, you know, you could really bet the Bengals up. Uh, If you think that they've got a solid chance to win the game outright, you can get some pretty good money just by betting them to win without a point spread. So, uh, you know, that's why sports betting when the casinos, you know, it's not their number one priority because it's not a moneymaker. In fact, like I said, there's been instances throughout history, famous days in gambling when Mike Tyson lost. And, uh, you know, there's been some Super Bowls that were close and that weren't supposed to be close. Uh, So, the sports books can actually lose money. And uh, and that's, that's the... But at the same time, you want those customers coming in to watch a game and spend the day at a casino watching a game, putting in some bets here and there. And we've just scratched the surface for sports betting in this country. Europe's had sports betting for a long time, and they've perfected the in-game sports betting, where literally you could bet play-by-play, quarter-by-quarter, half-by-half. Uh, once we get a little bit more mature market, those bettors will start coming in. They present additional problems to a casino. You, you don't want to get wiped out on a Saturday afternoon because someone just sat there and they know the University of Washington football team intimately and they can just sort of know how that team reacts to certain <laughs> situations. So that's your advantage as a fan when, when it comes to sports betting.
0: Uh, that's interesting. I remember that movie Casino and that guy was an expert sports better and he knew if the quarterback's girlfriend was had broken up with him, and he just he had all the goods on all the, and he could make all the bets. So, and Jason, I'm interested. You know, we hear about these big sports book companies, FanDuel, DraftKings. They're the big the big players in the market. How are tribes holding up, or how will they hold up against that kind of competition?
3: Well, uh, certain tribes have brought them in to just run their sports book, and that's fine. And they brought in some European countries to run their sports book. Uh, that's uh, and then some tribes want to go uh, do it on their own and, and just, you know, hire folks from either New Jersey or Nevada to come in and do it. It, it really depends, again, on your situation or you're a more rural tribe and you don't have the, the uh, population base where you're going to get a ton of bets coming in on both teams. So you need to uh, allow for that. Maybe you don't offer as many betting choices because you just don't have that volume of bettors. Uh, it really is. Uh, win-win DraftKings and FanDuel have actually been so far very good about reaching out to Indian country, understanding sovereignty, understanding they're in a different jurisdiction. Uh, at the same time, uh, just because uh, FanDuel and DraftKings are so prominent, people I don't know how many people know that, you know, they're losing money hand over a fist right now, largely due to their marketing efforts. You know, they're trying to entice everybody to come open an account and put in a bet. And so they're, they're running a loss right now, but they're willing to take a loss in the short run to gain customers over the betting life of that person. So, uh, it, it, again, this, this market is really immature, except for places like Nevada, and to a limited extent, uh, New Jersey and Delaware, who have had it for a while. And uh, tribes can take this as far as they wanna go. And, and let's not forget, tribal casinos reinvented the gambling industry in this country it, it's a it's a fact you know the fact that you don't have quarters falling out of the slot machines anymore that's because of tribes uh all these sort of technological innovations were because of tribes and mostly because of the restrictions that states and the federal government tried to put on their casinos and tribal governments worked around them and and made our gaming some of the safest in the world and uh, our tribal gaming regulators are some of the best in the world so mm. It, the sky's the limit here, and like I said, we're waiting on Oklahoma and California to eventually get sports betting, and and those are two huge sports states, and and the and the sky will be the limit again.
0: Well, Kyler, I want to ask you because sports betting coming to the Navajo Nation. What are your thoughts?
7: Well, you know, um, I'm not really big on sports betting, and you know, just just doing that, I don't really follow it. But you know, um, I think that you know, if we can you know, maybe regulate it a little bit better, I guess. I don't know, you know what I mean? I'm just not really in at, at, at liberty to talk about that because I'm not really into um, betting.
0: Okay. Well, let me ask you this, though. Last I saw Bengals odds plus four. Bengals plus four. You want some of that action?
7: <laughs> Bengals plus four. I don't know about um putting my money up for that because, you know, like, like he was talking about earlier, you know, it's always going to be against you, right?
0: Right. Right. Colby, how about you? Bengals plus four. You want in on that?
6: Oh, I'd be willing to tease it up to Rams minus six and a half. I think uh, the Rams <laughs> win by, I think the Rams win by nine or 10. Uh, but but that's just me, you know, and, you know, similar to what Jason was saying, you know, it's sports, uh, sports betting. It's just getting bigger and bigger. And you find it sneaking into to, to the broadcast, you know, you'll be watching the college basketball game. And someone will score right. late, and then the the, the commentators be like, "Oh, that matters to somebody." You know, they're referring to the sports that are out there. It certainly keeps people engaged to the last minute if you've got some um, some money, some money on the line. Uh, but yeah, no, I I got the Rams minus four up to minus six and a half. <laughs>
0: there you go. Yeah, when you know, last year when the NFL announced this first ever U.S. sportsbook partnership with Caesars Entertainment, DraftKings. I mean, it just all blew up. And now, yeah, like you said, you watch the sports talk shows, everything. You see all the odds, all the betting lines. So it's just, it's completely, it's here. It's here in a big way. Folks, we have another caller on the line. We have Melvin Santee, Nebraska. He's listening on KZYK. Melvin, you're on the air. Yeah,
4: good morning. Here uh, at Santee, we have class passed- Gaming. But with uh, Class 3, would we be able to do traditional games such as moccasin games, hand games, the different traditional gambling games? Are any of the tribes doing that?
0: Melvin, thank you for calling. That is a really, really good, interesting question. I hadn't thought of that. I'm going to go ahead and let Jason respond to that. Jason, traditional Uh, native games, gambling?
3: Yes, Yes, Melvin. uh, Traditional native gambling is uniquely protected under the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. And those games are allowed anytime, anywhere, uh, as the tribe wants to on the reservation. You don't need to have a compact with the state to engage in those types of games, uh, I know, I, I'm more familiar with uh, some of the Great Plains tribes that uh, have traditional gambling games, particularly around uh, powwows and certain festivals uh, in the summer. I don't know of any travel casinos that actively offer uh, traditional Native gambling as an option uh, on their casino floor, but but certainly, you know, Santee Sioux with with the Class Two games, you guys are able to offer. Uh, what are called Class 1 games under uh, Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, the traditional uh, Native games that were played long before the colonists arrived and uh, continue to be played right up to this day.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for those all that information. Really interesting to know. Folks, we're talking sports today, so please, there's still time to get in on this conversation. 1-800-996-2848. Let us know who you want to win the Super Bowl on Sunday. Kyler, March Madness just around the corner. What do we need to know?
7: You know, I'm I'm looking at some um, um um the March Madness that you know I'm an Aggie. You know, I've I've always been an Aggie and you know hoping that they pass that, you know, get over that first round hump. You know, they've always been losing every year. But um I'm not really um I'm not really ready to, to talk about the who's going to be up there on top this year, but I'm just saying that, you know, the Aggies. Because, well, this year we had um, some new players coming in. We also have um, last year for football, I know that we had a guy that was um, Navajo playing out there in Aggie country. Um, we had from Kirtland, New Mexico, or from, from, from Shiprock, I'm sorry, playing um, Aggie football. But um, for basketball, March Madness, you know, um, kind of always for the Aggies.
0: Okay. And for any of our listeners that are not too familiar with Southern New Mexico, uh, Kyler's referring to the New Mexico State University Aggies down there in Las Cruces. Uh, Kyler, I'm interested, you cover a lot of sports there on the Navajo Nation. How's the pandemic affected sports?
7: Um, well, it, it really, well, it affected us for as far as radio goes and as far as broadcasting, you know, it was hard to follow it. And you know, um, and then doing other things as well, so it kind of limit us and and um, bringing that action out to into people's living rooms and radios. Um, you know, it really kind of put a hinder on it. Um, but as far as um, you know, getting getting out there to do the games, you know, um, for broadcasting and talking about it. You know, it's it was really hard. It was really hard. And and um, but as far as um, being out there in the mix of all of it. I don't know, you know, and, and you know they, they were struggling a little bit with it here in Crown Point. I know that the um, you know it's been really high um, numbers with our pandemic. I, even myself, you know, I, I got I caught the um, COVID and was unable to you know be in in the studio. So yeah, it, it really had its impact on um, in a lot of areas.
0: Okay, well, thanks again for that insight, and, and glad that you know it looks like. Things are improving there with a lot of these COVID issues. Colby, how about you? Are you following March Madness?
6: Oh, absolutely. I'm a, a big March Madness person. Uh, being from Montana, uh, Missoula, Montana specifically, you know, we have the University of Montana Grizzlies uh, playing the big sky. So it's it's not a major conference. Usually if we win one game, maybe make it to the, the second weekend in the Sweet 16, it, it's a win for us. Um, and then being from the Northwest area, you know, there's a lot of Gonzaga fans, although I like, to, I like to hedge my bets against them. For some reason, they just can't get over the hump and win that national title, uh, although Mark Few, you know, has a great program year in and year out. For some reason, uh, or probably for a very specific reason, I think Duke's going to pull it out this year, being Coach K's last hurrah. You know, sometimes I think just in sports the story wins out, and I think Coach K winning a national championship in his final year uh, would would be amazing. And so I'm, I think Duke, uh, they can be rocky in the tournament and have gotten upset over the years uh, in the first round. But I, I think Duke's going to win it this year.
0: Jason, how about you? Are you a basketball fan?
3: 100%. And, uh, you know, let me, just for our audience, you know, the Super Bowl obviously is the, the, the granddaddy of them all in terms of sports betting. But right on its heels is March Madness. And, and the sportsbook see their second most amount of bets placed uh, during March madness and uh, and one of the things I've noticed in college this year as someone who occasionally bets uh, it started in football with this new transfer portal I don't know how anyone possibly keeps track of who's leaving and who's coming and and each year your team is going to look totally different from the year before and now they now you got the kids who rightfully so are are finally allowed to be paid for their efforts and and likeness and their name and jerseys and all of that. But uh, I really think college sports is heading into uh, just a a brand new world. And and I'm waiting for the day when when a company like Amazon based in Seattle just says, you know what? Everyone who comes to the University of Washington to play any sport, you know, we'll give you a 50,000 bucks, 100,000 bucks it, just, it wouldn't cost Amazon anything to just have mm-hmm. a team. And you're starting to see the colleges trend that way. And uh, I, I got to tell everybody, uh, you know, Duke is a good choice for basketball this year, but I still, to the extent the University of Kentucky could be underrated, I really think they're vastly underrated this year. And you got to watch them in the tournament. They're super deep. They had a bunch of transfer players. Uh, and, and you just watch that team. They've, they've got some. They've got the look to me of a team that just can throw nine, ten guys at you.
0: Mm. Well, Jason, I know you're a NIGA guy because every one of these topics, you keep turning it around to somehow a take on sports betting and gambling.
3: <laughs> That's what we do. It, it's the number one economic engine in, in Indian country, and we want to keep it that way.
0: There you go, for sure. You know that name, image, likeness—this NIL—it really has just completely changed the college, uh, the the landscape of college sports. And it's you know you hear people say the the you know, the the cat's been let out of the bag, right? Like there's no bringing it, the genie back into the bottle, it's here, these kids are gonna start getting paid and already some of these athletes are getting multi, you know, million dollar deals. That quarterback from Alabama has a huge, huge NIL deal. There's a huge, huge deal with uh, some of these gymnasts, some of these college gymnasts that have huge social media followings on Twitter and Facebook. So it's just gonna be really interesting to see how that all evolves as we move forward. So folks, we are talking sports today. It's been a a great conversation with our guests, just learning so much about the Olympics, about what's going on. And I do want to share one thing for anybody on Super Bowl Sunday coming up here. Earlier, I talked about Super Bowl snacks and I've got a really good friend in Gallup, New Mexico. He's got a special snack he calls the triad. And what it is, you take a big bowl and you just fill it with pork rinds, Funyuns, and kettle chips. And holy cow, that is one delicious Super Bowl snack. But I do want to encourage people, it's a little hard on the arteries. So that is definitely a snack that you want to enjoy in moderation. Well, sports fans, that's all the time we have for today's show. And I do want to thank my guests, Colby Kicking Woman, Jason Giles, and Kyler Frank for some great takes on all things sports related. We're back Monday when we will hear the annual State of Indian Nations address by National Congress of American Indians President, Fawn Sharp. Our executive producer is Art Hughes. Our senior producer is Andy Murphy. Marino Spencer is the engineer. We had production help this week from Luella Brin. Nola Davis-Moses is the distribution director and Bob Peterson is the network manager for Native Voice One. Clifton Chadwick is our National Underwriting Sales Director. Antonia Gonzalez is the anchor for National Native News. Charles Sather is our Chief Operations Officer. The President and CEO of Kwanic Broadcast Corporation is Jacqueline Salee. I'm Sean Spruce, your host. Have a great weekend.
5: Do you have stories to tell? Vision Maker Media funds Native American and Alaska Native long and short documentaries at all stages of development and is currently seeking proposals intended for PBS television broadcasting through their public media fund. These projects should represent the cultures, experiences, and perspectives of Native Americans and Alaska Natives. Deadline for submissions is Friday, February 11th at visionmakermedia.org who support this program. Support by Roswell Park, who know tribal communities face persistent challenges in health equity such as cancer and higher death rates. The Center for Indigenous Cancer Research at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center is dedicated to advancing cancer research that will lead to translatable science, medicine, and cancer care for indigenous populations worldwide. Are you at high risk for cancer? A no-charge online assessment tool is available at roswellpark.org slash assessme.